Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. Thank you so much for your support. We worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. here at St. John's Lutheran Church in the heart of downtown Martinsburg, West Virginia. Know that you're always welcome to our table and to our worship. God bless. And we hope you enjoy today's message. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when, there, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I will give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered them, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You all may be seen of our children up. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite psalms. Not my favorite, but up there. As one of probably the top five. It's a psalm about angels. It's a, it's a beautiful psalm that speaks of God sending angels to have charge over you and me over our care and protection. An Israeli scholar once characterized Psalm 90 was as an amulet for as an amulet psalm or a good luck charm. The term originated from the practice that developed in both Jewish and early Jewish and Christian communities of placing bits of Psalm 91 in amulets so that the wearer would feel God's nearness and be reminded of God's providential care in times of trouble. The psalmist pulls out all the stops and holds nothing back in this confession that God will indeed cover the psalmist with divine protection, such that no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. The psalmist is placing a great deal of trust in our God. In our 21st century world, we don't go to bed at night wondering if an invading army will attack in the middle of the night while we lie in bed. We live in relative safety and security. The laws of this land protect our right to assemble and worship without the fear of the government silencing our speech. We have the most powerful army in the world, and they work diligently around the clock to protect us from an attack. Is Psalm 91 no longer necessary? Even the most powerful armies, though, cannot protect us from everything. 
The devil and all his little demons still walk among us, pull us away from the good news that leads us to eternal life. Bad things still happen to good people every day. We are not immune from suffering and pain just because we are Americans or because we are Christians. We still shed tears. We are still left vulnerable to suffering. The psalmist knows this, and even with this knowledge, puts all his or her trust in God for refuge from our world. It's not immediately clear what precipitates the psalmist's song. Why is the psalmist writing this particular psalm? What is happening that requires the psalmist to do to write these words? The psalmist opens with images of military protection, refuge, fortress, which would suggest that the psalmist is under attack and physically threatened. Maybe the psalmist is sitting in a prisoner's cell. He was a prisoner of war. Who knows? Verse 6, however, moves beyond military threat to include pestilence that stalks in the darkness and destruction that wastes at noonday. The impression given is that whatever danger the psalmist may encounter in this life, whether it be persecution, physical or mental threat, or even illness, the psalmist will always find safety and shelter under the wings of the Almighty God. The psalmist's words are beautiful, and they can paint us a picture of God as being this fortress. We can imagine God being this strong fortress. We can picture God with this vast shadow. So vast, yet not terrifying. We can picture the psalmist, we can picture God telling the psalmist that angels will come to our aid, bearing us up so that not even our foot would be hurt if we should fall. The lion, the snake, they can't hurt us. No, many, no wonder so many in, in Judaism and Christianity, in the early church especially, consider this psalm to be a good luck charm as they're thrown into the lion's den for their faith. But the devil also knows the psalms. That, I think, is the most terrifying thing about the temptation story that we hear on the first Sunday of Lent. That the, that the devil knows our psalms. He quotes it to Jesus and he tempts him to test God. Prove to the world, Jesus, that God will protect you. Prove to the world, Jesus, that if you were to throw yourself off this pinnacle, that God would save you. Prove it, Jesus. And one of the most haunting images of my, of my teenage years was on September 11, 2001. Sitting in Mr. Nanowski's 10th grade geometry class watching the news of people jumping out of the World Trade Center to avoid the flames. Where were their angels? Where was God with his angels, ready to catch them when they fall, ready to catch us when we fall? Is the devil right? Will God not save us as the psalmist declares? Does the devil know God will not act in this way? That's one of the terrifying mysteries of our faith. Why does God act in a way that God chooses. Why does God save some and not others? Is one person more righteous than the other? Here's the good news, though, today. Psalm 91 is not a doctrinal statement. The psalmist isn't teaching a course on the doctrine of God. Instead, the psalmist is professing faith in the same God who has shown himself to be faithful throughout the history of God's people, delivering them from slavery in Egypt, from their enemies in the land of Canaan, 
and from all who would seek to destroy them as a people. Through the ages, God remained faithful to his covenant, so that the psalmist can say with confidence that God will continue to sustain his people. Furthermore, when the psalmist, when the evil one quotes Psalm 91 to Jesus in the wilderness, goading him to throw himself off the temple, Jesus rejects any notion that God is at his beck and call. Responding with Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus squelches the suggestion that one can presume upon God's saving power for one's own gain. The testimony of Psalm 91, then, is not that God's people are immune from suffering. Especially when suffering comes as a result of folly or sin. Instead, it is that God will not ultimately let suffering or even death separate us from his love and care. We get bogged down the details. We, we miss the point that God has sent us angels to watch over us and keep us from all harm. At the end of the day, the devil will lose. The devil lost to Jesus and the devil will not succeed in keeping God away from us. But that doesn't mean the devil will stop. We are still going to be faced with temptations daily. Sometimes we're able to walk away and say no. and Other times, more times than we care to admit, we will fall victim to the propositions of the devil. The law condemns us and sentences us to death. Yet the gospel says, says we are saved. The psalmist says, with long life will I satisfy them and show them my salvation. We have seen the salvation, the way, the truth, and the life. We have seen the one who came and made all things new, who stopped Satan in his tracks, who gave to us the power to forgive and know forgiveness from God, who gives us angels, who watch over us, who watch over you, our over your children and your grandchildren and your neighbor and even your enemy. And these angels will not lose. They will not sleep. They will not let Satan win the war. And God will be faithful to the promises God made to us through Jesus Christ. Even though you have been handed a cross. Even, and even though that cross will ultimately take your life. That cross will not be the end of your story. For our God will bear you up on wings like an eagle. And make you shine with the brightness of the sun. And we will say to the Lord. You are my refuge. My rock, you are the one that I trust.